My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day, my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to Storylines Live, the only podcast where we explore the meaning and the power of the most important story in business. The one that answers why someone would buy from you, work for you, invest in you, or partner with you. This is the story that defines the very character and nature of an organization. At WordWrite, we call it your capital S story. In each episode, we feature guests who have great insights on business storytelling, who can share their experiences and their key learnings to help you and your business do a better job of sharing your capitalist story to deliver remarkable business results. Today, we're honored to have as our guest, Dave Bookbinder. Dave is on a mission to change the conversation about how the accounting world recognizes the value of people's contributions to a business enterprise. And to validate what every CEO says, but not as many practice, which is, our people are this company's most valuable asset. As a valuation expert and a collaborative consultant, Dave and his team conduct valuations of businesses, intellectual property, and derivatives for a host of strategic objectives. His clients include industries and geographies across uh, the, the country, and companies of all sizes, including public and private. Dave works closely with business owners, CFOs, controllers, and CEOs. His goal is to help build relationships that add value for the long term. Additionally, Dave is the host of the internet TV show and podcast called Behind the Numbers. We'll talk a little bit more about that. This show digs a little bit deeper to understand what matters most in business. Dave's teams have been recognized by a variety of independent organizations for excellence in valuation consulting. He's also been personally recognized by Smart CEO Magazine with an award for executive management. He's also a two-time recipient 
of the Morris Gruner Award for Entrepreneurship. Dave, welcome to Storylines Live. Hey, great to be with you, Paul. Thanks for having me. Thanks. Anything I missed in introducing you that you think we should point out for our audience? I think it pretty much hit all the high notes. Now, maybe the books. Good. Let's talk about your books. Yeah, sure. So there's a couple of books called The New ROI, Return on Individuals. And the second book is called The New ROI, Going Behind the Numbers. And uh, they detail my journey to explore what you just talked about at the top of the program here, that people really are a company's most valuable asset. Wow, love that. We're definitely going to get into that in this episode, folks. Very, very important topics. Now, one of the reasons why I was so pleased, Dave, that you joined us on Storylines Live is because you were kind enough to have me on your internet TV show and podcast, Behind the Numbers. Could you please tell our audience a little bit about your show? Yeah, sure. The, the show is called Behind the Numbers uh, because the idea here is that most of the real stories, to use your word, capital S stories, that happen in business really take place behind the numbers. It's not enough mm -hmm. to just look at sales, profitability, and so forth. There's usually some kind of story and lesson learned behind all of those numbers. So that's the uh, the genesis of the show. And uh, I've got business leaders, thought leaders, speakers, authors, uh, folks from all walks of the business ecosystem on the program sharing their journeys. Yeah, it was a great honor to be on the show. You've been doing that for a while. How many episodes have you done? Well, it's interesting. Uh, unlike many shows that were kind of born during the pandemic when everybody got on Zoom and thought, hey, side-by-side -side video, we'll call it a podcast. Uh, Behind the Numbers started five years ago. And it happened when I was a guest at RV Intelligence Studios in my first book drop. And uh, the owner of the network said that I was kind of an interesting guest and what I'd be interested in having my own show. And um, as people who know me will tell you that I'm basically a drink and a microphone away from being a game show host. So when the <laughs> idea of being a talk show host came up, I thought, yeah, let's do this. <laughs> I love that. that. That is that is really great. And it's not the way a lot of folks start. So um, that's really cool. Their dream is to wind up on, quote unquote, real TV. And you started there, which is really pretty amazing. I really love that. Dave, you know, one of the things we ask every guest who joins us on Storylines Live is uh, for their definition or their most important aspect of the capital S story, which again, why would somebody buy from you, work for you, invest in you, or partner with you? Which of those four is most relevant to you today where you are in your business? Uh, I'd say the answer is probably why would someone buy from me? I would like mm -hmm. to reframe that and say work with me. Yes, yes. Yeah, tell tell us more. How, how how does that happen? How do you work with people? Yeah, so there, there's a lot of folks in my profession, um, and I, I've been told over the years that's what's distinguished me from others because I've spent my entire life unseating incumbency. Normally, when somebody has mm. uh, a need for evaluation service, Paul, they, they generally already have someone that's been helping them. So yeah. when when I've asked folks, um, why did you leave XYZ firm to come work with me? They've said a couple of things. Uh, one, they say, just ask better questions. Okay. <laughs> Another time they say, um, I got the sense you cared more. That's good. But the one that really landed home for me was when they say, I really can't explain it. It just felt different. Wow. And I, I've spent a lot of time in reinventing myself as a coach about a decade ago um, to really focus on how to be different than other folks in my profession. And that comment speaks to the great Maya Angelou quote that people don't remember, or they, they won't remember what you say or what you did, 
but they'll remember how you made them feel. So yes. they're telling me that it just felt different. They're they're getting it impacted more of a heart centric thing than a brain centric thing. Wow, that is that is really such a great insight, Dave. And I really want to dig into that, folks, in this episode, uh, because there are few things that you can do in a business that are more personal and more deep than valuing the organization, especially if you're working, Dave, right, with the founder of the organization or somebody who's got a very, very deep emotional connection to the business, right? And Absolutely. Yeah, I'm working in the C-suite. So it's uh, the CEO or founder, it's the CFO and, and their advisors. It's it's so great. And I look forward to digging more into that. You know, Dave, I'm always curious. We ask people about the Capital S story, but as a valuation expert and somebody who's focused on the people side of the valuation equation, what what's the meaning of storytelling to you and your work? Uh, well, I, I learned a lot from from you, and uh, honestly, it's really stories do sell, and mm. you, you can explain all day long about facts and concepts and so forth. But if you put it into a story and, and something that's understandable that resonates with someone, it's it's way more impactful than just sharing facts. Yeah, there's. Uh, I'm I'm so glad you shared that. Uh, Chip and Dan Heath, uh, who teach at Stanford Business School, and and wrote. Uh, I've written several things, and the book they're best known for is Made to Stick. They did an experiment uh, one semester at the at the business school uh, where they had students do final presentations. And what they discovered was that the, those students who told stories in their final presentations did much better. In fact, <laughs> the statistic they used to prove that stories are more important than statistics is that 63% of the presentations involving stories were better remembered than those that had statistics. I just thought that was just really an amazing uh, thing. Yeah, and one of the things that I've learned from having guests like yourself on my show is that there's real brain science behind this that supports absolutely. that. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, you know, uh, one of the studies that we've looked at a few years ago, and one of the reasons why this is also important is because we live in a digital age where we're overwhelmed by information. And um, the, there was a university research study done and they wired people's brains up and they said, okay, there's the creative side of the brain. That's the control side, the analytical side of the brain. If you believe this whole hemisphere thing, oh, yeah. uh, that's where the confusion is going on with too much information. And so a very interesting happen, a thing happened rather than the analytical side of the brain being simply stressed by digital overload. They saw the brain activity that the analytical side of the brain was sending all of this stuff over to the quote-unquote creative side of the brain. And when they asked the test subjects what was going on here, they essentially concluded that until things were put into a narrative format, it was hard for people to make sense of all this overload of information. But that was literally how people were remembering things and how they were making sense of them. So really something important there about the storytelling. Oh, yeah. Speaking of stories, how does your own personal story inform what you do on a daily basis. I mean, you're in a numbers profession and you're focused on people. How did you wind up coming to the conclusion that that's where you should put your focus? It's interesting that you asked that because it really is the personal story that led me down this path of exploration around that famous expression that our people are this company's most valuable asset. Mm -hmm. So um, I've talked about this before, so I'll, I'll try and make this brief, but I, I was a single dad for about 10 years. Yeah, maybe a little bit more than that. And uh, during the course of that time, 
um, I had kind of certain needs that uh, a single parent required. Like if a sick kid uh, wound up in the nurse's office, I would have to leave work early, for example, to go pick them up at school and you know deal with that as the parent on call and everything else that came with that while there was also another child that needed to be attended to. And during that period, I got to work for a couple of great leaders who really led with empathy, understood my circumstances, trusted me, mm. and I realized I'd walk through fire for those people. Mm. Um, conversely, during that period, I also had the opportunity to work for some folks who, let's just say, Paul, they didn't get it and right. roll their eyes if I had to leave early. You know, it must be nice leaving at three o'clock, never understanding what my evening was going to entail. So um, that was really what, what triggered it. And the, the final straw for me was the, the concept of managing by spreadsheet when uh, I was trying right. to get one of my, my team members promoted and uh, was told that their numbers weren't sufficient. And the person reviewing the numbers had no idea of this person's contribution at all. So um, I wrote an article and um, tried to keep it at a very high level because I've got to be careful, right? I don't want to throw stones at my profession because right. I don't think that we're, we're telling the whole story around how we value human capital. And of course, in the accounting world, let me ask you, do you know where people live on a balance sheet, our most valuable asset, you know, you know where they show up on the financial statement? No, I, I mean, I, I, I really don't. I'm, yeah, I'm so, Spoiler alert, okay? They're not on the balance sheet with the other there assets. People mostly think of people as expenses. Yes, they so do. So I wrote that article and uh, got some encouragement. And folks told me, hey, you got to keep going. And I, I never intended to write a book. And hmm. um, ultimately, that happened as a passion project as we ended up collaborating with about 20 other qualities across North America who are all basically on the same journey to explore and prove that people really did matter. Wow. So that's great. So you, you had this epiphany, if you will, and you wrote this article and that started you on, on this journey where you wound up writing the book and now you've got a business built around that. Yeah, it's crazy. I didn't intend to write the first one, didn't really intend to write the second one, which is a compendium of the conversations that I've had on my show behind the numbers with you know, leaders who were talking about how they got intentional about building good cultures and led with leadership characteristics that translate into increased enterprise value, i.e. your business valuation. Wow, that is really great stuff. And uh, folks, I highly recommend Dave's work. We're going to make sure uh, to give Dave the opportunity before the end of the episode to share where he can be found online. And we're certainly going to include that in the show notes. We're going to dig into Dave's work with companies and the role that people play in valuation in just a minute after we take this short break. My dad works in B2B marketing, but I never really knew what that meant. Then one day my dad came by my school for career day and told everyone in my class he was a big MQL man. Then he just kept saying things like, the more MQLs, the better, over and over. My friends still laugh at me to this day. I think it means marketing qualified lead. One thing's for sure. I'll be known as the MQL man's kid for the rest of my days. Why couldn't you just be a fireman or a lawyer? Why? You ruined my life, Dad. Not everyone gets B2B, but LinkedIn has the people who do. And with ads on LinkedIn, you'll be able to reach people based on job title, industry, likelihood to buy, and more. Start converting your B2B audience into high-quality leads today. We'll even give you $100 credit on your next ad campaign. Go to linkedin.com slash mpn to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash mpn. 
Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. Folks, we're back with Dave Bookbinder to talk about the valuation of companies and more specifically, the role that the valuation of people might or should or could play in those businesses. Now, Dave, the valuation practice is very well prescribed. And in fact, if you're dealing with certain kinds of companies, regulators like the SEC are involved and you know, you've got to do the valuation in a very certain way. It's very prescribed. What, what role, if any, does the valuation of human capital play in that or should it play in that? Yeah. Thanks for asking that because I, I think the answer is what it should play. Um, I, I talk in the books about the constraints that we have in the valuation profession in terms of how we value people and how we value businesses. And I think there's two ways to approach it. One is the, is the adjustment to how we value people. Right now, Paul, I don't want to get super wonky on you, but we only value people in the context of an accounting exercise when a company buys another business and we're valuing the acquired workforce. Yes. Okay? Long short, the, that acquired workforce just gets subsumed into goodwill. Like I said, it doesn't get a line item on the balance sheet. But the method that we use to value that workforce is what's called a cost to replace method. And the underpinnings there are mm-hmm. essentially everybody is unique, is, is, is the same. We're all um, we're all fungible. There's nobody that's unique in that process. And one Paul is just as good as another Paul. And if I pay yeah. the same amount of money, then I can replace you with anybody. And that kind of dovetails with an, an old school thinking about how maybe some leaders have treated their people over time. You know, if you don't like it, get out of here, I'll find somebody else. Um, I think we can do a better job in, in how we value people. Um, so I, I talk about that in the book. But the, I think the bigger picture here for me in my lens is the impact that people have on a business enterprise value. Because mm-hmm. there are a lot of leaders, and, and, and honestly, folks are getting it now. There's more and more people that are talking about the, the connection between uh, leadership, employee engagement, and enterprise value. In fact, there are certain uh, exchange-traded funds that actually use this as an investable strategy where the companies mm. that are doing the right thing, you can predict how they're going to outperform their peers. So wow. there is a correlation there that I've been talking about. And that's the lens and the approach that I take in my conversations. Because even, even if you're a CEO that really doesn't buy into, I'll call it the woo-woo aspects of you know, employee engagement and creating a great right. environment for your people, Maybe if they understand that by doing those right types of leadership things will increase the value of the company, maybe they lean into the conversation. And I talk about some ways that we be able to do that and adjusting a discount rate, which is how most companies are valued on a present value basis of future mm-hmm. benefits. So there's there's wonky math in the books, but it's mostly uh, about leadership and culture and other things that are easily digestible. Wow, that is r- really great stuff. So I just want to recap what you shared because here's what I'm hearing. What I'm hearing is the value of people does contribute financially to a business. In fact, there are ETFs now that have as one of their measures or metrics, right, companies that value their people. And I, I'm, I'm guessing that there's a direct link to improve business performance in terms of how the people in those organizations are treated. Absolutely. Uh, the numbers don't lie. They are, they, there's empirical data. Uh, I don't think it's probably appropriate for me to mention anything here in the form of a commercial because I don't give investment advice. Uh, right. But uh, if you take a look at my books, I do shout them out and, and give them kudos because I think they're on the leading edge of this. And uh, 
I, I, I eat my own cooking. I've got some of my money in both of those that mm-hmm. I, I talk about because I truly believe that that is the leading edge way of thinking about investing. And I truly believe that people, your human capital, your employees, your workforce really is the last bastion of value creation. Wow. Wow. Um, I'm curious, Dave, your thoughts, uh, even among leaders who didn't pay too much attention to the, (laughs) I hate to say this is going to sound so bad, the value of their people, uh, you know, COVID and the great resignation or the great retention or whatever you want to call it, or uh, a good friend of mine uh, in a speech the other day referred to it as the aftermath economy that we're in right now. I don't know. But your thoughts as somebody who very much focuses on the value of people to a business. What has this COVID experience done uh, to the math or or to the field? Has there been any impact, good, bad? Yeah, and it's interesting because I, I talked a lot about that on my show with my guests, especially the folks who are in, in leadership roles about perspectives. And I think there's two ways you can look at it. Um, mm-hmm. One is the individual that really, truly recognized that hey, during this time, it was our people that really came through for us. They were resilient. They found new ways to work together, found new ways to collaborate. And even in the face of complete uncertainty, managed to keep it together. And now today, understand that work flexibility, um, a part-time in the office, part-time remote type of thing Mm -hmm. is something that people have gotten used to and they value it and they appreciate it and they're not going to abuse it. And those leaders get that. And, and I think they learned that and they're carrying through. Flip side of that, you see it in the news almost every day where certain CEOs uh, publicly are stating, I don't care what happened, you get your butt back in the office. And that says maybe they didn't quite learn the lesson. Yeah. Yeah. That That is something that I think all of us have seen. And it's interesting uh, to me that, well, and no surprise that you've already been thinking about this. In, in yeah. Time. And, and, and look, I get it. There, there are certain roles and responsibilities where you just can't do it remotely. Okay. So if you're in the medical field, if you're in manufacturing, you've got to yes. show up. But if you're generally in a position where you work from a desk, you can probably work anywhere. And honestly, most of these companies who employ you maybe even expect you to work from anywhere, even when you're on vacation. So yes, <laughs> that's another aspect of it, isn't it? Just saying. So Dave, when you're uh, working with organizations, who do you find to be the most uh, beneficial relationship for you? What, what sorts of companies would benefit most from working with you and your team? Well, I help companies of all sizes and all mm-hmm. industries, so that, that's a very broad generalization, but it's true. Uh, I often tell people that nobody really will wake up tomorrow and say, I want to know what my business is worth. Wait for it. And they're willing to spend some some money to actually get that real answer. We're usually relying on some back of the envelope multiple that their brother-in-law yes. told them in a cocktail party. <laughs> what triggers valuation, Paul, is, is some sort of a transactional event. Mm. Um, a company may be buying another business. They may be looking to transfer ownership. Uh, CEO may be transferring shares to kids or grandchildren for generational preparedness. Mm-hmm. Uh, there may be a business divorce, a buy-sell agreement, and two founders, for example, no longer get along with one another. And there's a whole host of reasons. And usually what happens is when those companies and individuals are looking to complete that specific task, their accountant or their attorney or some other advisor will tell them, hang on, 
before you can complete that thing, you need to get your business value or you need to get your trademark value. And that's when the client says, oh, really great. You know, it does that. So that's where I step in. So I'm always happy to have conversations with people uh, to see if I can find ways to help. If I can't help them, I'm always happy to refer them to somebody else who can. Well, that's that's great. That is uh, a sign of a true trusted advisor, right? And we try to practice that at our firm as well. If we're not exactly the right solution, uh, I think it's incumbent on us to find a resource uh, for the person who reaches out to us who can better address their considerations, right? Yeah, oh, 100%, because it, it's about adding value to that would-be client. And like I say, and I mean this sincerely, I don't care if they work with me or not. I'm always happy to have the conversation uh, because I know I can help them. And the other component there is besides adding value to the client, because most of the business that we do is referral-based, I want to make darn sure that that would-be client that I spoke to calls the person who was kind enough to make the introduction and says, hey, thanks for the intro today. He was great. If, if that happens, then it was a successful call. That's great. I really appreciate you sharing that. Dave, what, what brings you the most satisfaction in your work? I really enjoy all the different people that I meet. And, you know, it's funny, the conversation here is people-centric. And I guess maybe no surprise, but it really is the people. Everybody's got a unique story to tell. Um, every entrepreneur has a unique journey. Yeah, there's some similarities, which are, are interesting things that we can certainly pick around and discuss. But uh, and everybody has their own lens, their own journey, and it's really neat to, to hear it from them in person. That's one of the things that I think drives us in our business, too. You know, uh, there's a, a talk I give on storytelling and the difference between B2B and B2C. And there, there's this large international shipping company, Maersk. And their uh, head of sales and marketing said not too long ago that he was tired of people comparing B2B and B2C. And he said, look, it's not B2B, it's not B2C, it's B2P. It's business to people. Yeah. And that's really what we're talking about here. It's it's relationships, right? Yeah. And I'll give a shout out to uh, my friend Bob Berg, author of The Go-Giver with John David Mann. It, it's all about people doing business and referring business to people that they know, like, and trust. Exactly. So that, that's where the rubber beats the road. That's, that's awesome. Dave, you know, sometimes I think it helps the, the audience to have an understanding uh, of how you work by sharing a client's success story. And I don't want to put you on the spot, but if you can give us a general sense, an example of an engagement where you worked with a company and how it turned out. Yeah, I'll give you a great one. And and for those who are watching and listening, Paul did not tell me he was going to ask me this question. <laughs> but uh, my favorite story of all time, um, a, a technology-based company uh, in the Virginia area reached out and they had been working with a valuation provider because they had needs for required valuation. But the particular firm that they're working with couldn't do um, a certain calculation for them. They didn't have the skills or experience. And, and they reached out to me and my team and it was really no big deal for us. And I, I told them, hey, no problem. Here it is. Good luck and get on with it. And uh, we'd love to continue to chat with you sometime. And they said, look, we really want to pay you for this because I didn't want to charge them. It really didn't take us any time at all. And they were insistent. So I wrote them an engagement letter and I charged them $1,000, the minimum amount. Wow. And because they received so much value from that, they were certainly willing to pay the thousand dollars. They got way more in value. I got a call from the mothership asking me, what the heck are you doing? Write an engagement letter for a thousand dollars. We don't get out of bed for a thousand dollars. That's ridiculous. What are you doing? 
And I had to explain the story that really was just about relationship building and doing the right thing. And I wouldn't have even written the engagement letter if they weren't insistent upon it. Well, that good deed turned into one of our largest clients ever in the history of that firm's relationship. So from, from small things, big things can come. Wow. That's a great story, David. It, it speaks as much to the way you do business as to the kind of business you do. I really appreciate you sharing that story. Dave, how can our audience find you? Uh, they can find me everywhere. Uh, I'll give you a few for instances. You can find me on LinkedIn. I'm Dave Bookbinder. Uh, if you're interested in learning more about the books that are available on Amazon or everywhere you get your books, you can certainly learn more about this concept of the new ROI at newroi.com. And you can also find me in my day job. I'm executive director of valuation services at HP Flanagan. So check them out at hfco.com. That's great, Dave. Thanks for sharing all that. And folks, if you're driving right now or working out or doing something where you couldn't write any of that down, don't worry. We got you covered. We'll have that in the show notes. Dave, thanks again so much for being a guest on Storylines Live, the only podcast that digs into the most important story in business, the one that explains why somebody would buy from you, work for you, invest in you, or partner with you, your capital S story. Thanks, folks, for being with us today. We'll see you next time on the next episode of Storylines Live. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.